Now, Joseph was the 11th son. Hmm. He's the 11th male. And when we count the numbers 11, 1 plus 1, it equals 2. That means covenant, covenant. Now, when we look at Genesis chapter number 49, we're going to deal first with that uh, firstborn son, which is named Reuben, because back in those days, and it, all, it changed when Christ came on the scene, or even before Christ came on the scene, it changed that the firstborn did not receive all the things that the law required. But God has a way of changing things. Now, chapter 49, verse number 3 in the book of Genesis. Uh, verse number 3 says, Reuben, now this is Jacob, he's, he's on giving his last words to his son, and he's approaching death. But this is what he's giving. Now, verse number 3 says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn. Reuben is my strength, my might, and he's the beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellence of power. So he established from his loins this who his firstborn was, and this and this is what he acquired. It was the beginning of, of Jacob's strength, that man in transition. He's, he's the beginning of the strength, he's the excellency of dignity, and he's the excellency of power. But then he's got a problem here. His problem is verse number four. Hmm. Verse four says, Unstable huh, as water. Boom, first born. Unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Because thou winnest up like father's bed, then the father thou it. Uh, he went up to my house. In other words, what happened was Reuben, who was the first born, he slept with his father's wives and his concubines. So therefore, there was no stability in him. There was no stability. So then when I looked at that, that, that scripture in, in Genesis chapter 37, and it began to talk about Joseph being the, really the beginning of a generation. And I knew Joseph was the elect son, which means to add. Now let's look at verse number 22 in uh, uh, Genesis 49. Genesis 49. And let's look at verse number 22. Looking at Joseph, which means to add. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bottle, which means son. Uh, even a fruitful bottle by whale. I mean, that whale means a fountain. He's by fountain. Whose branches run over the water. Very fruitful. When it, anytime we add anything to, to, to our inner man, it's going to be fruitful and it's going to spill over. Anytime we add more God in our life, it, uh, I mean, we can't help but prosper. Then it goes on and says, the archer have solely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Remember now, the title of the message is Dare to Grieve. Now, this archer, the word archer, there means a piercer. He's one that inflicts wounds. He, he, Joseph, Jacob, acknowledges this. He is that wounds that have been inflicted uh, to Joseph. When God brings increase in your life, you can expect uh, uh, the adversary to shoot some dots at you. You can expect that. But it also says this about the archer. The archer is very skillful in what it does. Satan is very skillful in what he does. He's very skillful. Uh, he's skillful in mischief and he's also the master of the art of persecution. Satan knows how to push our buttons. He knows how to take us to that place of persecution. 
slowly, I to him. Let me tell you something. Let me be careful. Because when your family sees you going up, or those around you see you going up, you can expect some hate. When God begins to bless you, you might as well expect you're going to have some hate. Can't get around it. It, it. it happened back then, and it still happens now. It happens now. So you're going to have some hate in your family. You're going to have that. You're going to have some hate. You're going to have some hate. Now, uh, it goes on and talks about how in verse number five, verse number five, now remember now, it's his brother and hate. It's his brother. It's his brother. Now verse number five says, and Joseph dreamed of what? A dream. And he told it to his brother. And they hated him, yet the what? Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at St. Matthew chapter 10. We're just going to travel a little bit. Just a little bit. Matthew chapter number 10. We're going to look at this family, chapter 10. Hmm. Chapter 10. St. Matthew. New Testament. Because it talks about when he dreamed his dream, when God begins to add and bless you and show you your purpose, uh, you're going to have some hate. When you look at Matthew chapter 10, verse number 36, are we there? Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 36. Now 36 says, and a man's what? Soul. That word soul just means enemy. Enemy. A man's soul shall be there of his own what? And who has it go? His brother. So the Bible tells us in Matthew 10, uh, verse number 36, but a man's enemies or his foes is right there in his own household. That household means those brethren, uh, uh, those sisters, those friends that, that inner circle. Be careful with your inner circle. <laughs> Be careful who is in your inner circle. Be careful who's in your inner circle. Yeah. Because see, what's happening, God has made you different. See, when you have dreams and you have visions, God has reached in and he's pulled you out from among the others. It's just like the, uh, being that one out of a million. Huh. And everybody's not there, but you're the one that's been pulled out. So because you got a dream in you, you got vision in you, you got purpose in you, but, but the enemy does not want you to fulfill your purpose. And of course, you're going to have those haters. So verse 5 says, when he dreamed the dream, and he, he told it to his brother, be careful who you tell your, your dreams to. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful. Because see, everybody does not understand what God is taking you to. Everybody don't understand that. So you've got to be careful who you share what God has placed in your belly with. You've got to be very careful. You've got to be very careful. Now, verse number 7. Let's go to verse 7 in Genesis 37. Verse 7 says, For behold, now Joseph is sharing his dream. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, Myself arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about and made obeyance to my shaft. In other words, what happened here is God began to reveal to Joseph in an early age of this dream his purpose. He didn't quite understand it, but God revealed to him at an early age about his purpose and plan that God had for his life. Now, he was only 17 years old. 
He was only taking things when God began to reveal to him the dream, his future. See, all of you sitting, God has a plan and a purpose. You know, you, we may say, we just showed up. We, must, we may say that, that our life and the way we're living our life and the things that we have gone through is just for us, but it's not. It, your life has been set forth to help somebody else on the other end down the road. Down the road. Now, I wrote these things about, about the 17. When you count the numbers 17, 1 plus 7, we've been taught how to count the numbers. That equals 8. Now, 8 means to make facts. <laughs> to, to super abound or super abundant on 8 also means to increase. But then God also said this. 8 means new order. I said, God, that's awesome. He said, new order. He said, think about Noah. So he said, there was only 8 people that were saved out of the flood. So from that came a new order. I know another set of people. See, you all here that's present, you are the beginning of a new order. And I said, God, that is so awesome. But you got to dare to dream. 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 Now, watch what happens when he begins to share. God reveals his future. He's telling his brethren about what God has spoken. Because see, sometimes we just immature and we tell things too quick. And see, when we tell things too quick, we can expect the devil to show up at our front doorstep. We can expect him to show up. We can, we can look for that. Now, verse number 8 says, And his brethren said, said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shall you rule over us? Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his what? Dreams and for his word. See, that's the reaction. See, everybody can handle your success. Your family can handle your success now. You see, when 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 you've been pulled out, you know why you when you when you're down with your family and you think one way, and then all of a sudden God pulls you out of that situation and places you over here and begins to use you over here in a mighty way. Let me tell you something. The reaction of your family will be they ain't gonna be able to handle your success. They won't be able to handle it. So you got to be able to endure because there's some things that God will show us through his word when we dare to dream. Because see, God tells us uh, what he's going to bless us with or how he's going to use us, but he does not tell us all the in-between. And it's the in-between where we struggle. It's the in-between. It is the in-between. Now, the family had a problem. Those that, you have to be careful about that in the circle. Because see, you're different. See, socially, socially uh, we are unaccepted when we decide to be different. We're supposed to be different. We're, we're supposed to be different so much so that the world can look at us and tell that something different about us. It's just like this. When you get saved, when you come out of that world and people look at you and they say, like, hmm, you sure look different. Well, you look different because you are different. You, you, you don't do the same things that you used to do. That, that there's a change. There's a change. So expect like that negative reaction when you begin to reveal your dreams and your aspirations and God begins to bless you mightily. Now verse number 9 says, And he dreamed yet, God wasn't through, yet another dream, and told it his brother and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made a base to me. Hmm. When God chooses to use you, to use us in the, in, the, in the midst of the kingdom, 
there are people that we connected with, they're going to begin to look at us and they'll realize that we've got something to offer. You have got something to offer. So when God shares the dream that he's placed on the inside of you, and by the way, it is God's dream and his purpose that he's putting in you. Because sometimes when God blesses us, we want to get beside ourselves and we forget who the giver is who placed it within our bed. So that's important that we don't lose sight of that. So that there's a little bit more that God begins to share with the dreamer. When God calls you out to do some things, he will begin to orchestrate or he will strategize and share with you the things that you need to know. And when you tell others, remember the reaction. First reaction is going to come from your family, your inner circle, those you connect with. They, they're going to have problems with you. Just tell you that up front. Now, verse number 10 says, and he told it to his father and to his brother. And his father did what? Rebuked him. And said unto him, let me tell you something. When you share your dreams, those that listen to your dreams, they'll, they'll understand what you're talking about. You may not know, but they will understand what God has told you. Because they say, when he shared it with his father, his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and my brother indeed come to bow down ourselves to this and earth? Uh, then it goes on to say, and his brethren did what? Envy. Envy. Let me tell you something. When God brings you up and, 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 and allow you to be that, that, that kingdom leader, uh, not only a kingdom dweller, you can expect jealousy. You expect some haters. You know, when you're up again to play, expect jealousy because they're going to they gonna envy you. They don't envy. What they really don't understand is that they are really envying the God that's on the inside of you. And see, as God is releasing himself through your life and you have become an instrument, you're going to run up on a whole lot of jealousy. Now, there's the dream. There's the dream now. Because God's given it to you. God's given it. So then we look at verse number 18. Let's look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. Mm, verse number 18. And let me share this to you as well. People are going to tell you that it's not possible what you do. They're going to tell you that. They're going to tell you it's in the possible. And, 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 and there's some things I begin to look at, and some things that's very noted to us, that long, long time ago, people told us it was impossible. One of the things, and the first thing came to my mind, I thought about them cell phones. It was this Alexander Graham Bell, his father-in-law, father uh, told him that the telephone was just a toy that no one would play with. And now I think about everybody got, got a phone. So long, long time ago, he was told, oh, it was just a toy. And nobody was going to play with that toy. Oh, if they was alive today and been resurrected, they would see that that is no longer a toy. That, that, that it is very much being used to this day. And really, uh, to the extreme sometimes, to the extreme. But they say it was, it was just a toy. But, but remember this now. Dreams, not only get excited when the dreams come, but dreams come with trials, persecution, and tribulations. Dreams. Y'all still want to have a dream? All right. They come with trials. They come with persecutions. And they also come with tribulations. Now, verse number 18 says this. And when they saw him afar, talking about them brethren, talking about that, 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 that inner circle that you have, or those that's connected to your life that, that say that you'll never amount to anything, that you, your, your dreams will never be fulfilled. I, I, I remember when, uh, I guess I was in my early, late 40s, 
assistance. And I'm always having my mind and my heart and my spirit, God is placing that to travel overseas. Well, from a, a, a church I attended at the time, my pastor at that place had passed away. And, and he had told me that I would go overseas. I would travel over the world. Well, I had some, some haters in the group there, and I'll never forget this. The lady told me after the Lord allowed me to travel to several countries, she said, you know, we used to sit back and laugh at you. We used to sit back and laugh at you because we said, no, nah, that ain't possible. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't going to travel nowhere. But see, if I had listened to the naysayers, I never would be what God has told me to do. If you listen to the naysayers, you'll never fulfill your dreams and purpose that God has. And by the way, I've been by four or five different countries. But see, God did that because he wanted people to know who he was. And there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing, nothing. Now, verse 18, let's read verse 18. It says, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, I'm like his brother, that inner circle you got, some of, some of that external circle too. He says, they, uh, they did what? Conspired. Conspired. That was conspiracy going on now. Conspired against him to do what? To slay him. In other words, to kill him. Want to kill it. And look how they saw it. It says, verse 19 it says, And they said one to another, Behold, this what? This dreamer come. Now, he's that brother. But they don't see him as his brother. They see what they see is a dream. You see, when people look at you and God has pulled you out and set you on Fort Street to fulfill his purpose and his plan. Those around you that you used to connect with, and even some of those that you connect with, when they look at you, they won't look at you as brethren. They look at you as, here come the dreamer, here come the dreamer. But what they really didn't know, they were really speaking of pride. Because they see in you what you don't see in yourself. Mm -hmm. They say, here come the dreamer, here comes the dreamer. They want to kill it. They want to kill it. Now, verse number 22. 22 says, and Reuben said unto them, this is the first moment, shed no blood, but cast him into this what? The pit. <laughs> that, that is the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of our hands to deliver him to his father again. He had some good intentions. That one brother had a little soft heart. But you got to remember now, in those dreams, persecution will come. Now, they come together. You're going to have folks that's going to come together to conspire against you. So you will not fulfill that what God has called for you to do. But then they're going to try to find a way to get rid of you to the pit. They want to put you in the pit. In the pit now. They want to put you in the pit. Now, verse, I'm going to skip verse 23. I'm going to go to verse 24. Then we'll go back to 23. Verse 24 in Genesis 37 says, And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no what? water. No water in it. That's not what he means. God says the adversary wants to put you in a place where he can cut off your water supply. If he cut off your water supply, your life support, you're going to automatically die. You see, when we dis disconnect ourselves from God, we begin to drive I mean, we, we, we begin to do things we wouldn't normally do. Or we would begin to do things that we used to didn't do, and all of a sudden, we'll take on some of those things that we 
what the enemy wants to do, he wants to cut off our water, water supply, our source. He wants to disconnect us from the Father. I got heavenly Father. He wants to disconnect us. So we will die in the pit. And whenever we disconnect ourselves from, from, from that source, we will die. No water, no water supply, we can rest assured we will die. Enemy wants to cut off the water supply. Okay, now, remember now, our dreams and visions does not come with persecution. It doesn't come without trials. It does not come without tribulation. Got a conspiracy going on because they don't want you to fulfill your, your destiny. Number two, they want to cut off your water supply. They want to cut off your relationship with God. And that's what the world does. The world begins to give you more of it. The more of the word that you get within you, the less of God that you get within you. But the more you fill, fill yourself with the word of God and the things of God, the more strengthened the inner man is. So, so we have to be careful because it's the word that chokes out the word. It's what the word of God says in, in the New Testament. It chokes out the word. The word chokes out the word. It chokes out the word. Now, let's look at verse number 23. Verse 23, the same chapter. Remember now, Conspiracy, it wants to cover the water supply. But look at verse 23. It says, And it came to pass. In other words, it happened. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they did what? They stripped Joseph out of his coat. You remember the coat of many colors? His coat of many colors, that was on him. I thought, hey, God, what is that? What, 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 what do you say? Help me to relate that to now. God said, The adversary is after your anointing. <laughs> He's the adversary is after your anointing. That's why they had such a problem. They want to strip off that coat of many colors. You see, some of you are multifaceted in the, in the anointing of God. You're so gifted. You got, there's many things that you can do. And what the enemy wants to do, the first thing, among the many things he wants to do, he wants to strip you of your anointing. See, the anointing is what destroys yokes. So if you got that the anointing and you come in an arena of people that bound or in bondage, do you not know that the anointing on your life that God has placed within you, it will destroy the yoke that's on them? That's powerful. See, we don't know the power that God has invested in the body of Christ. Well, the power, the power. So the enemy is after your anointing. It's after the anointing. Why, you, why do you think that the, the, the enemy always brings you something? His dad says he's good about bringing something. Most of the time he's free. He's always want to bring you something. But you want to recognize why is he doing what he's doing? What's the purpose behind this? He's after the anointing. Because if your anointing dies, then you can't, you can't help nobody. And then if, if the anointing dies, then you begin to go down yourself. So he's after the anointing. Now, verse number 27. There's some things else that have to happen. Remember now, you've you got the dream. You've got the vision. You're excited now. And, and God never tells us the whole story. Because if he tells us the whole story, we will not go ahead and go through what he called for us to do. If he told us about all the opposition and the hell we had to go through, now how many would say, yes, Lord, I'll go through it? No, uh, the devil is a stinking lie. <laughs> so most of us will not say, yes, God, I'm willing to go through whatever you say. Especially if he shows you what all you want to go through. I mean, the, those long-life friends that you had, all of a sudden they turn their back on you because they see the, 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 the anointing, they see the, 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 the purpose, they see the plan, they see the favor. Thank you, Holy Ghost. They see the favor God has on your life. So all of a sudden they begin, you may have some friends that back up from you. 
the closer you got to God, the more they back up. See, what they see in is they see that favor that God has on your life. So, so, so they don't want, they don't want you to have that favor that God has for you. But we got to understand now, in order to fulfill our destiny that God has for us, we're going to go through some things. So I guess the Holy Spirit is preparing us. He's preparing us for that which is yet to come and that which already has happened. See, we got to understand that we're going somewhere, y'all. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere in God. Going somewhere in God. Now, verse number 27. Verse 27. Verse 27. We, we're close to being done. Verse number 27. Now, verse 27 says, uh, Come and let us, talk about them brethren, come and let us sell him to the Israelites, and let not our hand be upon him. Sound like Pilate trying to wash his hands. For he is our what? Well, before, they said he was a dreamer. They didn't even know he was his brother. Uh, up in the previous verse, in verse number 18, they didn't even know this was their brother. But now, all of a sudden now, he has become a brother again. Hmm. Said, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brother was content. Now, they're ready to sell him. Uh, uh, and, and the brother, getting ready to sell Getting ready to sell These are things that happen when we are there to dream. Now, verse 28 says this, in Genesis 37. So then there passed by the Midianites, hmm, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. You see, God always has somebody in reserve to get you to the place where he wants you to be. He always has somebody there. You may not like it, you may not understand what's going on, but when you go down to the scripture, God will reveal the whole purpose and plan. So here comes the, the Midianites. Uh, they drew him up out of the pit where that, where that, where that water supply. He couldn't, he couldn't know what water supply was. And they say, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And then they brought Joseph to Egypt. Brought him to the world. Brought him to the world. Lessons learned. Lessons, lessons in life. Okay, God allows somebody else to come along to get you a little bit closer to your destiny. Chapter 39. Let's look at chapter 39. Some lessons to be learned, something to be taught, something to be taught. Going through your trials, tribulations, uh, understanding that the persecution, all these things have to happen. Even being sold, sold out by your family is to be sold out. Now, here's lesson number one, chapter 39, book of Genesis. Verse 1 says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him out of the hand of the Israelites which had brought him down hither. He's getting closer to his destination. Closer to his destiny. Verse 2 says, And the Lord was what? With Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. How do you prosper when you've been sold into bondage? But the Bible says that the Lord was with him. That's why if, if the anointing is on you, and I always say this to somebody, when the anointing is upon you, like, I don't care where you go, you're going to prosper. You know what I mean? I mean, God will bless you right where you are. I mean, when the anointing rests upon you, I don't care where you go, God will prosper 
your destiny, if you're closer to fulfilling that purpose God has you. But there's a lesson, three lessons, really, to be learned. And say, the Lord prospered him. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Words. And also a place of limitations. Also a place of limitations. See, the world limits us. You know, the world never lets you know how 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 you can succeed. It always wants to tell you what you can and cannot do. Amen. Now God says you can do all those things through Christ who strengthens you. But but the world it decides how far you can go. It decides how far you can go. Now verse number three says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Uh-oh. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to do what? Prosper in his hands. Do you not know when the favor of God is on your life, those around you will see the God that's in you and they'll see how you're prospering in God. They'll see that. They, they, they will see that. They'll see that. Because, see, the word says, the master, the one that's over him, the one that was over Joseph, they recognized that there was something different about this man. That he, everything he touched prospered. But there, the dream now. Remember now, you got to go through some things. But, there's a lesson to be learned. Verse 4 says, and Joseph found what? Grace in his sight. So, in other words, he finds grace in his master, in the sight of his master. Because this is what happened, see, his master saw that there was God in him, and he knew. He didn't have it, or else he would not have done what he did, what he allowed Joseph to fulfill and to come to pass. And we will get to that. We will get to that. But, but he says his master found, and Joseph found grace in his sight, and he, what's that next word? What's that next word? He served him. With verse number four, chapter 39. And he served him. And he made him what? Overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put it into his hand. His hand means Joseph. Let me tell you something. God said the first thing, first lesson that he's trying to teach us as we go through the process of daring and dreams, because he's, he's already revealed our future to us. But he also let us know we get to the trials, persecution, all these, all these things, and tribulation has to take place. But the lesson we've got to learn is servitude. Lesson number one, God says servitude. Servitude. And as I, I wrote this down. It says uh, you can never be over until you learn how to be under. You never can be over until you learn how to be under. In other words, until you learn how to serve, you'll never be over. You've got to learn how to serve. Servitude. See, the lesson is servitude. See, God, God allowed him to prosper, but there's a, there was a key element there that was missing. He needed to learn how to serve. God said, we need to learn how to serve. See, we're going to rule one day. We're, we're going to be so connected that you're going to have people coming to you for, for advice and, and, and what needs to be done in their life. But we got to learn how to serve first. You know how it is, you know, it's easy to sit back there well, in, in, in the pew and say, well, this ought to be this way, this ought to be that way. Well, let me tell you something. I'm learning. When you're up here, it's a whole different story. Amen. I'm learning how to walk in the shoes. 
Let me tell you, these are, these are big shoes. These are the shoes where you stay on your face before God continuously. And, and everybody don't always follow the advice that you give them, even though you might know it's the right thing that you tell them, but they don't always follow. So you got to wait it out, then you got to back up, back up. After a while, you'll hear from them. And then when you back up, all of a sudden, when the stuff hit the fan, you hear from them. Trust me, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, he's teaching me. So, so, so we got to learn to do to be to, to be servants. We got to learn that before we can be over to rule over anything, we have to be under. And the next thing he says, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. So if you if you're making some things happen in other people's lives, look to be blessed. Look to be, expect to be blessed. Because what, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Now, lesson number two. Lesson number two. Lesson number two. Let's look at verse number seven in Genesis 39. Verse number seven. Are we there? Amen. All right. Verse seven says, and it came to pass. It happened now. <laughs> it happened. And it came to pass after these things, after you've been, you know, you've been, Made overseer. Got favor. Okay? And favor is not favor. You got favor. That his master's wife cast her what? Eyes. That's that love spirit. Eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Hmm. But what's what happens when, when, when you know who you are in God, no matter where you are? Verse 8 says, but he did what? Refused. That's some temptation. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master walked not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all the hath to my hand, all that he hath in my hand. And there is none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me but thee. In other words, she's off limits. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness, he recognizes what it was, and sin against God? Hmm. God says, lesson number two, you got to have self-control. Self-control. Purity. Because see, the world is very seductive. The world wants to pull us in, and it wants to seduce you. So, I mean, here, here, the world will put stuff there in your way, and I trust it, it, you you don't have to go looking for nothing. It'll come to you. Anybody been there? It, it, it'll come to you. You ain't got to go looking. It will show up at your house. But it's really to seduce you because it is really after your anointing. It's after your anointing. After anointing. But you got to be strong enough. You got to be strong enough to say no. Now, verse number seventeen. Because we're going to hasten to a close. Now, verse number seventeen says in, in Genesis thirty-nine. Seventeen says. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, she's talking now, the wife is talking to her husband, said, the Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. Now, we know that's not so long. Now, she said, come on, lie to me. You come on. Now, see, he's, he's, he's young, now. he's 17 years old, and by the time he might be 18, you know, but she's an old woman, and all of a sudden, here it is, she wants to seduce him. Now she's ready to tell a lie. So he shows up and uh, he, he came to me to mock me. 
And verse 18 says, And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled. You got to be careful where you're going. Be careful where you're going. Because even though you may flee from it, you might mess around and leave some evidence behind. See, he left some evidence behind. Yeah, he didn't plan to leave no evidence behind. But she grabbed hope because she had, had to have something to justify the lie. Anybody been lying on the phone? Anybody been lying on the phone? <laughs> uh, then 19 says, And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, when she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did, that, did thy servant to me, that his anger was kindled. Now, lesson number two uh, was besides self-control and knowing as the seduction of the word, you're going to also find that there's going to be some false accusations against you. When you're there in a dream now, when you're, when you're walking towards your dream or fulfilling a dream, you, going, you can expect false accusations. You can expect to be lied on. Hello? You can expect to be lied on. You can expect it. You can expect to be lied on. So it won't be nothing new when all of a sudden you said, well, I know that's not true. I know that's a lie. So God is already letting us know, well, expect to come out and tell a lie. Expect it. It's going to happen. It, it's going to happen. But when that lie is believed, and watch what happens when the lie is believed. And this is the third part of the lesson, lesson learned. Verse 20 says, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the what? Prison. A place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. God says the third lesson, expect to suffer. When you're heading toward that dream, fulfilling that destiny that God has for your life, plan and purpose, he said, expect suffering. You know, we as people of God, we don't like to suffer, do we? But God says that's part of it, because see, what's happening, it is getting us to the place where God has called for us to be. He's getting us to that place. Now, chapter 41, chapter 41, Chapter 41, chapter 41 in Genesis. Chapter 41 in Genesis. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass, I mean it happened, at the end of how long? Two full years. So about now he's probably 19 or 20. That Pharaoh dream, all right, it comes to fulfillment. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dream, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kinds, these cows, and uh, fatty seals, and they fed in a meadow. God says this, in the fulfillment of your dream, he said, remind the people, remind yourself, friends, because I always tell you, the word comes to me first before it gets to you. There is going to come a season of prosperity in your life. There is going to come a season of prosperity in your life. It's fulfilling the dream. Verse 3 says, And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill favored and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill favored and the lean fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kings. So Pharaoh awake. God says there's also going to be a season of loss. There's going to be a season of prosperity 
and there's going to be a season of loss. That's going to be both. That's going to be both. That's going to be both. But you got to know how to handle it. You got to know how to handle it. You got to know how to handle it. So if you stand in agreement, and then if you continue to read the story, Joseph ends up, he ends up, he ends up uh, uh, number two in Egypt. And people were coming to him as he, as he was able to interpret the dream that the king had, even though he wasn't able to interpret the dream that he had. But he was able to interpret the dream that the king had, and he gave the king advice of what to do. He, re he recognized there would be seasons of prosperity, but there will also be seasons of loss. So he said, he said, bring this. He said, in your season of prosperity, he said, tell my people, in, your, in that season where I'm blessing them, tell them to put up. Say, put up. Prepare. Because there will come a season of loss. And when that season of loss comes, that's going to be some folks that are going to be coming to you all. They're going to be coming and say, what do I need to do? And then, and, and not only that, in the natural, but the thing in the spirit is, they're going to be coming to eat from your table. To eat from your table is having that spiritual word on the inside of you. So when they ask the question, then you'll be able to give them the answer. Because see, the body of Christ has the antidote. The world does not have an antidote to what's going on. Only the body of Christ. And then it's, then it's the elect. It's that, that it's, it's, it's a designated few that God has instilled in them what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and then he will begin to tell us, okay, bless that person, bless that person, hold that. And some of them same naysayers that was not like from the very beginning, you know who will show up at your door? Them same naysayers, your family. Then they're going to begin to ask you, what, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to get the favor you got? But can you dare to dream? Do you still want to fulfill that dream God has for your life, knowing you got to go through some stuff in order to reach that place of fulfillment? See, if God tell you everything, we never would do it because we don't want pain and we don't want suffering. But God's to tell you now, there's going to be fires, persecution, tribulation. There's going to be conspiracy. Conspiracy. There's going to be some suffering. But at the end is what counts. Can you handle the faith of God? Because he's getting, oh, I heard that Holy Ghost. But I heard it, this is plain. God says he's getting ready to promote in the body of Christ. He's getting ready to promote. So can you handle what you got to go through? Because on the end, that's a promotion. Come on, y'all, let's give God a hand clap of praise.